Hey, welcome, Awaken Church. Glad, uh, glad everyone's tuning in and excited to see everybody um, with uh, um, gathered with us this morning. So let's go ahead and get started. Uh, so I uh, really just wanted to um, have one big announcement before we dive into our topic this morning. And that big announcement is uh, we are excited uh, to come back next week in person for our very first Pioneer service. If you're hoping to figure more uh, about that, we encourage you to check out our Facebook page, go online. We actually have um, just signups for you guys to be able to, to sign up. Um, we're, we kind of want to explore what it might look like to return to worship uh, just as a corporate gathered worshiping community. Uh, with that said, uh, we do want to uh, also let you know that we are just keeping an eye on the numbers right now for uh, cases, both in Florida and here locally at Duval County. Um, the increase in spike in numbers does have us concerned and, um, and, and worried. And so we're going to just keep our eye to that as well. But we're really looking forward to starting next week. So we encourage you again, go to our Facebook page, go to our website, um, sign up, and uh, can't wait to see all of you guys um, back just uh, together. We're uh, a church family, and it's been weird um, not seeing uh, each other uh, week to week. So really looking forward to that. Um, and yeah, let's just dive into what we've uh, got going on this morning. We're in a new series called Just Go. And the idea for that series is evangelism made simple. And so last week we talked about um, what is evangelism, and we talked a little bit about um, uh, Frank, Pastor Frank shared uh, just that the gospel is hideous. And so let me unpack that for you guys a little bit. Uh, evangelism is this idea that it's just teaching the gospel with the aim to persuade. Um, we as, as, as believers, as followers of Christ, we, we can't force anyone to believe, um, but we, we can teach, share, um, and, and just show people how we believe or why we believe. And so it's the aim to have them see the truth of Jesus Christ and believe as well. That's what evangelism is. Uh, Frank shared uh, that the problem last week was that this idea of why we even share the gospel, which is just good news, why we do it is, is the gospel is a universal healing balm to the nations. Our world is broken, wounded, in pain, and the gospel... The gospel is able to heal people, restore them, give them freedom and hope and truth. It's able to pay for their sins so that they can have a right relationship with God. It's a universal healing balm. But why would people reject that? And this is what we talked about. The gospel is hideous. The gospel is offensive. See, the problem with the gospel it's, it's hideous to people because it tells people that they are not good enough. The trajectory of their life, their morality, their goodness is not good enough for them to be accepted by the one true God. And this is why the gospel is offensive. And so what do we do as believers? What is our great opportunity here? We, we see the challenge but what is our great opportunity? And Pastor Frank shared that last week, our great opportunity is actually from John 15, 4 through 5, is just abide in Jesus. Abide in Jesus Christ, and you will bear much fruit. So that's a quick 
recap if you missed last week. That's a quick recap of, of, of where we were. Um, so, love to talk to the kids real quick. So, kids, um, really excited that you guys are here. And um, every week for, um, gosh, the last three months now, we've had kind of a kid's corner. And um, so, first things first, it is Father's Day. So as uh, Father's Day, you guys, uh, kids, I see you there. You're on the floor. You're hanging out. You got your pencils and crayons and paper ready. Um, before you do that, you guys need to give up, uh, get up and give your dad a hug. Uh, seriously, go ahead right now. Go, go. Give your dad a hug. Um, happy Father's Day. For those of you parents in there, um, maybe your dads aren't with you, um, pick up your phone and text your dad, happy Father's Day. Um, so it's a, a, a great day. Just let your dad know that you love him, that you care for him. Happy Father's Day. Um, dads and, and dudes out there um, uh, and kids, tune in. Uh, so if you, if you haven't got your dad a gift for Father's Day, I'm going to give you guys one, one tip. Um, so I picked this up on the way to church this morning. It is a Slim Jim. Dads love beef jerky. I'm just going to throw it out there again. If you haven't got your dad something, dads love beef jerky. So uh, grab your dad some beef jerky. Um, trust me, we'll eat it up. We love it. Um, so beef jerky, I'm actually going to throw the beef jerky back to the sound guys. They've been working hard all morning. So fellas, oh, just missed, just missed. All right, kids, uh, I want to encourage you guys um, to, uh, to do this. We're talking about just go. We're talking about a series of, of just how do we take um, the good news to the world. And I want you guys to draw a picture. And here's what I want you guys to do. Draw a picture about Jesus doing something awesome. Draw a picture about Jesus doing something awesome. Or uh, draw a picture um, uh, about you just loving someone, doing something nice for someone. And instead of sending it to Awaken Q&A, um, instead of sending it to our email account um, where we kind of show everybody's picture, we want you to actually give it to the person or give it to someone close to you. Give it to a friend, a family member, um, someone you play with, and just tell them that you miss them. Um, so I'll share a really cool story um, with you guys. Two weeks ago, our next door neighbor had her godson um, pass away. He lost a, a year-long battle to cancer, and it was really tough. And my wife and I, were just we just didn't know what to do. And so we asked our kids to just draw a picture and, and give it to our next-door neighbor. And our five-year-old, Corbin, he drew a picture, um, and he drew a picture of this little heart, and he was giving this little heart to our neighbor. Um, and our neighbor got that picture, and uh, she, she just cried. It meant so much to her that, that, um, that we would care, that Corbin would care, that Corbin would say he loved her. And if we're going to talk about just go to tell people the good news, we have to tell them that we're not just here to give them a, a, a message. We're here to love them as well. And uh, so kids, you guys could, could take this opportunity to, to love someone well. And parents, um, this means you have a little bit of work to do as well. Because you're going to have to maybe um, address and stamp an envelope and send it. Or maybe you're going to have to walk with your, your kids to give the picture. Um, so just want to encourage us to be a community that loves. Um, well, that said, let me um, go ahead and open us up in a quick word of prayer. And, um, and we'll get started. Father, we do thank you for this morning. We thank you for... Um, the grace and the goodness that you have given us, Lord. Lord, we thank you that though our world seems to just be unraveling, you, um, 
Lord, you are the healer and the doctor and the savior and the restorer and the redeemer that we need. And I pray that this morning we would just focus our attention for the next 30 minutes on not only you, but on your word. And that would fill us, God, to go and make a change in this world. We invite your presence, God, right now in this place. We invite your presence into our living room. We pray this in your name. Amen. So this week, uh, we're in week two, developing new friendships. And um, just want to let you guys know, I, I'm not trying to disappoint. I did bring a teaching jacket, so, so give, me, give me one second. Here we go. I, I know typically I'm in, in a teaching jacket, so let me, let me get a little fancy for you guys out there. Um, and so we're talking about developing new friendships. And this is tough. Um, because right when we talk about developing new friendships, so many complications start invading our brainwaves. Um, we have fears and doubts and anxiety, and we say things like this. What if I share with them the good news in the gospel and they reject Jesus? Or even worse, what, what if I share with them about Jesus and they don't just reject Jesus, they actually reject the friendship as well. Another thing that I'm sure you guys have talk, talked about is what if they think I'm just trying to convert them, that I just care um, that they go to heaven and I don't really care about them. I'm not going to hang out with them. I'm just there to, to convert them. Um, sometimes you can be thinking, hey, my capacity and bandwidth in life right now, I don't have time for any new friends. I, I can barely like eat three meals a day and take a shower. I don't have time to build a new relationship with someone. Sometimes you can think, well, I'm an introvert. I, I'm not good at this whole people talking thing. Uh, you can also say, hey, I'm not really good at this Bible sharing stuff. You know, I, I can talk about a lot of things. I can talk about sports. I can, I can talk about guns. I can, I can talk about cars. I, I can talk about shopping. But I can't really talk about, it's just really hard to talk about the Bible and Jesus. And, and so these are, are, are some things that I think we all face. And how do we solve these problems? How do we solve these complications? Um, so I just want to be honest with you guys. For me, um, this was not a very fun sermon prep experience. And some of the reasons why is, is uh, you know, uh, halfway through the week, uh, talking with my co-pastors and just kind of threw away something that I was working on. Just feel like, hey, it didn't really fit. Um, and then I thought, well, hey, I'll go the route of maybe telling people maybe what, what, what I can do to build friendships and, you know, um, you know, how to win friends, influence people. And, um, you know, not everybody's wired like me. Um, not everybody, uh, has the, the, the calling or, um, the career that I have. And so I just felt like this isn't a good thing either. And so the, the longer I just wrestled with this, I, I wasn't really coming up with any big theological truths. I didn't want to give people self-help tips, and, and I, I didn't want to give people fun hobby-sharing advice, like find a new hobby, and that way you can share with the people that have that same hobby. I, I just felt like all those things were, I don't know, I was just struggling with it. And um, um, for me, um, you know, again, not everyone's like me, and so I, I just felt like if I was, you know, going to tell people how to be cool and nerdy, that, that wouldn't resonate with people. Um, and you can be cool and nerdy. Um, so... I'm just struggling last night, and I'm pouring my heart out to God. And, you know, he's just like, well, you just need to know me more, Andrew. And I'm like, thanks, God. Um, 
appreciate that. Uh, it's about 7 p.m. And I've got to preach tomorrow. So how do, how, how do you suggest I get to know you more, God? And um, one of the things he said was, hey, just, just pick, up, pick up the Bible and read the gospel. Read, read a gospel. And I was like, so God, you, you want me to just pick up the Bible and read? Like read a whole book. And um, yeah. And I felt like what God was telling me was my heart was that I needed to know Jesus more. You see, if we're ever going to make evangelism simple, what God was saying was, you need to know Jesus Christ more. So I did. I picked up the Bible. I read all of it. I put some classical music on it. Sorry, I read all of the Gospel of Mark. Um, and um, it took a little over uh, an hour and a half. And um, just reading through, highlighting things, making notes. And, and as I was doing that, I just felt like what God was sharing with me to share with you that we have to use our lives to know Jesus more. And if we're going to do that with our lives, then I think evangelism will become more simple. It won't become easier, but it will become more simple. And so three ways that I think that we can know Jesus more, they're all taken from the Gospel of Mark, is just this. We've got to know the heart of Jesus. We've got to know the story of Jesus. And we have to know the death of Jesus. We've got to know the heart of Jesus. We've got to know the story of Jesus. And we have to know the death of Jesus. Again, evangelism will never be simple if we, people who profess to know him and follow him, if we don't know him more. So knowing the heart of Jesus. Um, go ahead and turn to Mark uh, chapter 2. And we're just going to read a few verses. Mark chapter 2, starting in, verse, starting in verse 15. And as he reclined at the table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to him, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. And one of the things that really just struck out, um, just, just struck me, was Jesus is, is taking a lot of his time, and he is hanging out with, um, with people who don't, know him, who don't know the Bible, who aren't religious, who, who according to culture and society would not be deemed good. In fact, they knew that they were jacked up. They knew that they were messed up. They knew that they were broken. They knew that they were hurting. And Jesus says, I want to hang out with you guys. And not just I want to hang out with you guys, but I want to eat with you. And I don't think we understand what this means because, again, in this first century agrarian society, 
eating with someone wasn't like, you know, we think of it as, as like popping into a restaurant, maybe grabbing a bite, hanging out for, you know, 30, 40 minutes. Um, and then we, you know, we go back to work or we've got, you know, the rest of our, our night ahead of us so that we can, you know, hit the gym or, or, you know, watch our favorite shows. And we've got our little social interaction. Eating was we're going to sit down for, for two, three, four hours with one another. And Jesus is spending this time with these people. And we have to ask, what shaped his heart? Why is he doing this? I think there's two reasons. And uh, we don't have to look for them. Um, we, we don't have to, to, to try to, to, to guess what they are. You see, we just have to read the text of Scripture. Because I, I believe that if we're going to be if we're going to know Jesus, we're going to be like Jesus. We have to have these same two reasons in our heart as well. The first is Mark 1.35. Mark 1.35. It says, In rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. See, Jesus spent time with the Father praying. If we're ever going to share the gospel with people, if we're ever going to share the good news with people, we've got to be in prayer for people. I believe Jesus' heart was in anguish for the lost. He was praying for them. Are we praying for those people in our lives that we know? Are lost. Are we doing it early in the morning? Is it, does it cost us something in our life, in our day, in our schedule to wake up and pray before God for the souls of people who we love and who we want to know more and have a relationship with God? Is it costing us anything? It costs Jesus sleep. That's, that's, uh, it's particularly convicting to me because I, I like sleep. I enjoy sleep. I have three children who interrupt my sleep. In fact, I don't want to wake up early and pray a little bit. I want as much sleep as I can get. And Jesus is sacrificing sleep so that he can pray with his father. The second thing is Mark 1, 41. A few short verses later. He, we, we see someone come up to Jesus who's unclean. And Jesus is moved with pity. In Mark 1.41, and he stretches out his hand and he, and he touches him and he says, I will. And he, he heals. He heals him. And this idea of, of pity and compassion surfaces again and again in the narrative of Mark, again and again, in fact, in all the gospel narratives, that there is this deep emotion in the heart of Jesus to have compassion for people. It wasn't just that he was trying to hang out with them for, you know, a dinner or a lunch so he could kind of preach the message. There was a, a deep emotion of love and compassion and care woven into the heart of Jesus. It doesn't matter if you're an introvert or an extrovert for you to have compassion. Jesus was moved by compassion. He was moved by broken and hurting people. And he made the decision to be there with them. And so this is the heart of Jesus. The question that we have to ask ourselves, though, is what, 
what is in our hearts? And as I was going through just the gospel of Mark last night, I, I asked myself, what's in my heart? Because you see, Jesus gives us this great commission. He, he gives us this commission to, to go and make disciples of the nations, to, to teach them and baptize them, and, and in short, to share the gospel, to do evangelism. He gives us this command. And I, I'll just be honest with you, um, I don't like it. Can I say that? Can I say that in church that I don't like one of Jesus's commands? Can I say that as a pastor? I mean, I, I feel like sometimes I should be saying everything is is good and, and we should love it. And I'm just like, yes, it is. Yes, it is. I don't like it. You know, um, I joke around with my wife that there's probably like five or six foods that I don't like. Um, fish is one of them. And um, so... She never seems to remember them, and she makes it, and I'm like, oh, I don't like it. And I feel like this is what we do sometimes. We just tell Jesus, I don't like, I, I'll do anything you want, God. I'm following you, but this one thing, I just don't, I don't like it. And so I wanted to be honest with you guys that I, I don't like it sometimes. I'll share three reasons why I don't like it. The first reason is, is my depravity interrupts my own sin. I don't feel like going out and telling people about Jesus sometimes when I know that I've got sin in my life. That I've either messed up as a dad, yelled at my kid, I've, I've hurt my wife, I've gotten in an argument with my wife, I've, I've struggling with emotions in my own life. You know, maybe you've seen something I haven't, you know, shouldn't have seen. And then it's like, well, go tell, go tell people about Jesus. And I'm like, I don't want to. There's sin in my life. I don't feel comfortable about it. I don't feel clean right now. Jesus wants to heal that. The second reason, my experiences are wounds. You know, as a campus missionary, as a pastor, I've shared the gospel with a lot of people over the years. I've had people yell at me. I've had people who started to believe and they've backed out of it. I've had arguments. Some of the experiences that I've shared with the gospel have with people, it's actually made my heart kind of hard. Like if I go out and share today, God, it, it's not going to matter. People aren't going to believe anyways. In other words, my heart is wounded from trying to share the gospel. And I think some of you are right there as well. We talk about evangelism made simple and you're like, ah, it's not. It's not simple, Andrew. Like I've, I've, I've tried to share before with a friend and I've been hurt or I've been rejected and you know, Jesus wants to heal those wounds too. And in fact, he promised that that would happen to us. The third reason why sometimes I don't like evangelism is this. My costs are high, right? I feel like, hey, I've got some extra time. I want to relax and enjoy life. Oh, but there's so many people that need to hear. Um, oh, it takes a lot of energy to just go out and share. There's so many other things that there, there are things that just persuade us away from Hanging out with people that need to know Jesus. Um, you know, I, I was scrolling through Facebook the other day, and this ad popped up on, on Netflix, and it was, you know, this very compelling ad. What's the next season that you're going to binge watch? And I was just like, man, we are a people who are so fascinated with binge watching TV 
And yet last night was probably the first time in about two months that I have binge read the Bible. You see, we want to binge watch an entire show of TV, but we're not willing to binge read God's words that we would know Jesus more. Our times are filled with other things aside from people. And so all these things, as I'm, I'm, I'm wrestling this as last night, is, is there idols in my heart? But you know what drives those idols out? Praying with the Father, having compassion for people, and knowing Jesus more in his word. These things help me think about people, not just the things that I want. One of the things that um, was really cool on Saturday, um, our movement of churches um, had our annual pastors conference. It was planned um, for Minneapolis, um, but due to um, the coronavirus, we had a digital pastors conference. And um, it was really awesome. It was the 50th anniversary of, of us being a church movement together, a movement of churches. And so we just talked and, and, and prayed and shared stories. And um, one of the things that, that we even talked about was just how our movement really just got started by sharing the gospel with people. And, um, and it was just really cool. And, and one of the things that we shared, even um, we had a conference call afterwards was, well, how do we address all these things that are going on in our world right now? How do we address a pandemic? How do we address protesting? And one of the pastors just said, you know, I've been thinking about making like a little track and going to the protests and just sharing the gospel with people about how Jesus was a revolutionary. And he, he just shared that I think people are woke for the wrong reasons. They're not woke for Jesus. And it was so cool just to hear his humble heart to go and, and, and his desire to to go right to where people needed to hear Jesus. So we got to know the heart of Jesus. His heart was for prayer. His heart was for compassion. And his heart was for people. Are our hearts like that as well? The second thing that we've got to do is we've got to know the story of Jesus. Again, we're going to jump right back into, into Mark. Um, and we've got Mark... Uh, this is going to be chapter 10, the first part of verse 17, Mark 10, 17. And it says this, and he, as he was setting out on his journey, so it's referring to Jesus, and that's all we're going to read. And as he was setting out on his journey, and I think this is fascinating for a couple reasons. Um, the first 10 chapters of, of Mark are all about Jesus' ministry, and then come chapter 10, um, the, the action in Mark picks up because Jesus is going to Jerusalem. The journey that Mark is talking about is Jesus going to Jerusalem for the final time. Jesus going to confront the religious leaders. Jesus going to die on our behalf for our sins. And so as Jesus was setting out on this journey, and is that not um, our story as well? Do we not set out on a journey every day? As Jesus sets out on his journey to fulfill his purposes. Again, I think we do that every day. We set out on, on journeys to fulfill our purposes, our dreams. 
Mark talks about him being interrupted. That he's got this journey to make to Jerusalem. He's got this prophetic confrontation between religious leaders. He's going to be betrayed. He's got all these things that he's got to accomplish. And I don't know about you guys. When I've got a lot of things I, I, I got to accomplish, I'm ready. I'm focused. Like, let's go. And then interruptions start happening. Jesus is interrupted by a rich young ruler in Mark 10. Jesus is interrupted on the way to the journey by his disciples arguing about stuff. I mean, sometimes that's how I feel like. People around me are arguing about stuff and I have to come in and solve it. It's like, come on, y'all. I, I got a purpose. I got a mission. And y'all are like squabbling back here, especially as a dad. All right, kids, you heard that. Um, no more squabbling. Um, he's interrupted by blind Bartimaeus. And all these interruptions, Jesus takes time for. You see, they're part of the journey. These people that are interrupting his life, they're actually part of the journey. And if, if we're going to talk about evangelism made simple, then we need to realize that the interruptions in our life, the hiccups, the things that throw us off, they're, they're actually opportunities to love people, to bring the universal healing balm of Christ to people. We've got to know the story of Jesus. He didn't jump on the tollway to Jerusalem and ignore all the traffic stops and all the traffic lights and all the fender benders. Rather, he made time for them. He stopped for people. He cared for people. He healed people. He loved people. He answered their questions. In fact, there were other people besides the rich young ruler, besides his own disciples, besides blind Bartimaeus that he stopped with in the next few chapters. He actually stopped for a fig tree. He stopped for religious leaders. He stopped for the crowds. He stopped for lawyers. He stopped for capitalist merchants. Jesus made time for people on his journey. Are you making time for people on your journey? Because there's a lot of people who leave their homes at 7.45 a.m. And they get back to their homes at 5.15 p.m. And that's, that's the end of their day. Are you making time on your journey? Um, my wife and I were, were talking last night just about how friendship starts. And it was kind of funny because she said she was talking with one of her friends about how their friendship started. And, and, and she was just like, I don't really know. She's like, I don't know when we decided to become friends. And, and they're great friends now. Um, and I think that's the same with many of us. We look back on our life and we, it wasn't like we just like snapped our fingers and pointed at someone and said, ooh, 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 I want to be their friend. We're going to be best friends. In fact, that's kind of creepy and weird and maybe stalker-esque. A friendship just happens because you start making time for one another. And if we're talking about developing friendships, I guarantee if you start slowing down on your journey, you're going to have time for people. And there's going to be rich friendships that you will acquire in this life. And so the question to ask is what margins are in your journey? What margins do you have in your life right now? 
Um, you know, the only thing that I pulled from Jonah was this. <laughs> We're looking at Jesus, Jonah, and travel plans. You know, Jonah um, was given the, the command to also go and, and share, um, you know, the gospel, the good news um, with a city. And instead of obeying God, he made travel plans. And his travel plans were actually like, I'm going to go as far away from that city as possible. Um, in fact, the, the distance that, that Jonah's travel plans were going to take him was over 2,100 miles away. He was going to go to the very edge of the known world to get away from having to tell people about Jesus. And I, I can't help but think that maybe not, um, maybe not purposefully, but, but maybe um, unintentionally, we make travel plans to be really, really busy as well. Let me share one of my greatest fears as a follower of Jesus, as a pastor, is that we will become too busy with our personal plans and our church programming to reach lost people. We will become too busy with our personal plans and our church programming to reach lost people. Every interruption that Jesus had on his journey to Jerusalem forced him to pause, to take time, to love people, to listen to people, and I, I think that sometimes in America, we don't like to do that. We value our free time. We value our entertainment. We value having disposable time. We do not value demands on our time. So again, a question for you is, do you have margins in your life? And the reality is it's not a planning question. It's not a plan. It's not pulling out your, your schedule and, you know, making an extra 30 minutes here or, or moving something around to where you have like a free weekend once a month. That's, it's not a planning question. It's a heart question. It's a heart question. My wife oftentimes is... Um, out in her garden um, in, or working on the house outside and she has neighbors stop her. And, and one of the things that she wrestles with sometimes is she's like, well, I love my neighbors. I love talking to people, but sometimes they just come up and they want to talk to me. And she's like, I I've got to get dinner on the table and I've got laundry to do and I've got to prep for homeschool the next day. And, and my wife is sometimes overwhelmed because people just want to chat with her. And she takes that time and she loves them well. She loves these people well. And it cost her. It cost her on the back end to be with these people because they don't see her up till 11 p.m. or midnight doing the things that she had time that she planned in her day to do. But she wanted to love people well, love her neighbors well, love her friends well. See, if we're going to make evangelism simple, here's a, a, a gritty truth. It's going to cost you free time. That's it. It doesn't sound that bad. But your heart, it's offensive to your heart. 
It's offensive to your heart because you love your free time. Your free time is, is like a happy place. You get to do with it whatever you want. If we're talking about developing friendships and making evangelism simple, I'm just going to be honest with you. It's going to cost you your free time. It's a heart question. I'll share a story with you guys. So um, early on in campus ministry, um, uh, I would um, go to uh, Starbucks. My wife actually worked there a number of uh, even the uh, people in our church worked at the Starbucks right next to campus um, at the town center. And uh, I would go to the Starbucks kind of early in the morning, um, you know, uh, or, or in the afternoon. I'd meet with some students there. I'd get some work done before heading over to campus um, to meet with students um, or, or to go share. And um, I got to know a lot of the baristas. It was actually really cool because... Um, a lot of them asked me questions about faith. A lot of them were lost. And it was me just trying to take time to position myself to be in a place where I could have friendships. And one of the baristas there was named Lauren. And um, we just got to know each other um, over the course of a year and a half. Um, uh, again, um, she knew that I was a, a, a pastor. Um, you know, uh, she um, was just a really, really awesome woman. And uh, definitely lost, though. Did not know Jesus. Um, she had a girlfriend. Uh, she had cats. She loved her cats. But um, I remember um, that she told me tough news one day that she was going to transition to another store downtown um, at the landing. And I was like, man, that's a bummer. We won't get to see each other. And I remember thinking, is there a way that I can still show her that I care? Because you know, I just didn't want to be that regular that... that was just sat there. I, I wanted to let her know that I cared for her as a person. And, and I'd had the opportunity to share the gospel. And so I talked to my wife about it a little bit. And, and we found out, um, just looked at my schedule and, and found, you know, a time or two where maybe um, I could drive down to the landing, park, um, and, and actually just um, kind of sit at the, the counter there and do some work there. And um, I remember I did it about three times. Um, once, one was the coolest because afterwards, um, we just kind of sat on the steps there. She had like a 15 minute break and, uh, she was just like, why, why are you down here? And, and I was like, well, like you're an awesome barista. And I just wanted to say, Hey, and I wanted to let you know, that I care about you. And it was meaningful to her. Um, she came over, um, the next week and, and, uh, actually had dinner with us. We actually got to share the gospel with her over dinner. Um, and it was awesome. We made time and room and it was a friendship and, I don't know where she's at in um, her faith right now, in her walk, in her life right now. She left that Starbucks um, shortly after to, to pursue a different career. But I think that was something that it cost me my schedule, my time. It, it was harder to go downtown. I had to park. You had to pay for a meter. And, and do you see, it's just, a, it's just a little logistic thing that you have to do. It's, it's just a planning thing, but it reveals a heart thing. The last thing we have to do is we have to know the death of Jesus. We have to know the death of Jesus. This is Mark 15, 31 and 32. I'll read 39 as well. Mark 15, 31. So also the chief priest with the scribes mocked him to one another, saying, He saved others, he cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also reviled him. So this is Jesus naked on a cross being made fun of by the religious leaders and by the criminal on one side of him. A few verses down. 
We read in verse 39, when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly this man was the son of God. We have to know the death of Jesus. And here's Jesus on the cross and, the, and some of the very people who I'm sure he had hoped to reach with his life are ridiculing him and mocking him. The people who were good, they didn't care about him. But the Roman centurion who saw his death confessed and believed. And I think this is challenging because especially when we look at the, the mocking of Jesus by these religious leaders. He can save others, but he can't save himself. Well, that was the entire point of Jesus' life and ministry was that he would save others and be substituted on the cross for our sin and that he would not be able to save himself. That he would die for our sins. That if his shed blood would make us clean so that three days later God could raise him from death to give us hope. We've got to know the death of Jesus because the death of Jesus should fuel our hearts to love people, to have hope, to, as what Frank was talking about last week, to abide in him. So again, we need to know the heart of Jesus. We need to know the story of Jesus and we need to know the death of Jesus. Here's the deal. There was two tragedies that day, the people expecting Jesus missed him. The people next to Jesus missed him. Let's not make a third tragedy. Because the third tragedy would be that we don't tell people about Jesus' death, his life. Is that we don't tell people. And then we are given the gospel of Mark. And you see Mark, he, he's also mentioned in the gospel. He actually ran away when all this is going down. He ran away naked too. From the garden, from following all these events. But he found courage to tell the story. Mark told his story of how Jesus changed his life. How this penniless preacher from Nazareth was the son of God who loved him, who loved others who had a heart for people, who interrupted his journey, and who ultimately paid the price and died for people. Mark told that to us. And so the question for you guys is, the Roman centurion, you see, he was not expecting to find Jesus. He was not expecting to find Jesus. But he did. There are friends and family members, people in our lives right now, they're not expecting to find Jesus. But when we tell them about Jesus Christ, they will find him. And just like the Roman centurion said, they will say the same thing. Truly, Jesus is the Son of God. And they will believe and they will follow. So again, using your story to know Jesus... More, three ways. We've got to know the heart of Jesus, to pray and have compassion on people. 
We've got to know the story of Jesus to make room and time in our travels. And we've got to know the death of Jesus. We've got to be able to tell other people about what he has done for us. Um, evangelism will always be hard. But we can make it simple. And again, I think we make it simple by knowing those three things. The heart, story, and death of Jesus. We've got to so fill our minds and our hearts with the truth of God. We've got to start binge reading Scripture. Because it is the only thing that wakes us up. That gives us a heart for people. Um, I went ahead and put on um, our PowerPoint slide uh, discussion questions. Um, I went ahead and, and uh, so if you're watching uh, from home and want a discussion question, uh, maybe over lunch or if you're watching in a group at your house, if you just want to have that discussion question, my hope is that it just sparks um, a, a lot of conversation. I only put one. Um, I just feel like we only, only needed one from the time. Um, I'd like to leave us with two things. Um, the first is a story that I'll share. Um, and then the second is actually uh, an awakened video. Um, uh, one of the, the guys in our church, he just um, wanted to share how he's been developing new friendships um, during this whole um, pandemic. Um, and so I think it's a, just a, a phenomenal video. But uh, the story um, that I'd love to share is the story of Codex uh, Sinaiticus. And um, it's the story of the oldest complete Bible that we have right now um, in, in history. And the story is uh, about um, uh, a man. Uh, his name was Constantine von Tischendorf. And uh, it happens um, in the 19th century. It happens um, uh, uh, mid-1840s. And uh, Constantine is a Bible scholar. Um, he knows all sorts of like nerdy languages, Greek and Hebrew and Latin. And, um, but he's not just a Bible scholar. His heart is that people would have the text of the Bible and so he's also like an Indiana Jones um, because he thinks that one of the things that he wants to do is go over to the Middle East, go over to Egypt um, and start looking for where there can be texts of the Bible that have never been discovered. And so kind of just think like super nerdy, but also super cool Indiana Jones. And that's, that's Constantine von Tischendorf. I don't know about the name, but that's who he is. And he goes over to, um, he goes over to um, Sinai, and he finds um, uh, a monastery called St. Catherine's. St. Catherine's is at the base of Mount Sinai. It's the oldest inhabited monastery. It's been around for over 1,500 years. And it's this old monastery, previously unknown. So no one in really Europe knew about it. It was probably known in, in somewhat during the Crusades, but no one had been there in a long time. And Constantine walks in to the monastery, and he sees two, uh, two monks warming themselves by the fire. And, um, you know, if you know anything about the Sinai Desert, there's not a whole lot of trees. Um, actually, there's a picture of what the, the monument looks like right now. And these monks are warming themselves by the fire, and, and, and you can imagine it gets cold. And so they're, they're tearing parchments um, and throwing them in the fire um, to, to burn. And again, back then, parchments are made of animal skin, so it's this flammable, um, burnable material. They're staying warm, 
and Constantine just says, hey, hey, can I see what you're, can I see what you're throwing into the fire? And they're, they're pulling pages, and he looks at it, and it's ancient Greek, and he says, stop, 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 and he, and he looks at it more, and, and, and it's actually part of the Codex Sinaiticus. It's this Greek Bible that, that has been recorded that, that's from the 4th century. This Greek manuscript is over 1,700 years old. And he says, stop burning it. I, I want to see it. I, I, I'll take it. I'll, I'll take it off your hands. And, and he does. And he's able to take about 40 pages. And he comes back about 15 years later. And, and he's able to find the rest of the manuscript. And he tells the monks, don't burn anything more. Don't burn anything else. And the monks were burning things because they'd already made copies of it. It was old. So it's like we, we've already made the right copies. But to Constantine, it was precious. When I look at our world today, there are so many people. You see, they've got things that they're burning in order for them to stay woke. They're, they're cold. It's a, a dark world, and they're burning things. And we, as believers, have the opportunity to come in and tell them to stop burning the Word of God and to believe God's Word. Don't throw God's Word into the fire. Don't throw these emotions. Don't throw the things in your life into the fire so that you can somehow stay warm. It's meant to be read. It's meant to fill your heart because Jesus Christ came to save you. And that is this true story recorded in those pages. Constantine believed that by him going over to the Middle East, he would find old copies of the Bible. And he did. The question that I have for you is, do you believe by leaving your home that you will find people who need to hear the Bible, who need to know truth. What margins are in your life to meet with people, to develop friendships? Let's go ahead and take a look at uh, this video now. Hi there, my name is Charles Neumeyer and I'm a deacon here at Awaken Church. This whole corona thing's been real crazy. I haven't slowed down. I know a lot of people have. They've lost their jobs. They've lost time with friends, time with family. My life doesn't seem to be any different outside of not being able to go to the beach or not being able to go to parks and things of that nature. I'm still working 40 to 50 hours a week. I'm still collecting a paycheck. I'm very, very blessed. My wife Casey and I have two wonderful kids, Miles and Eleonora. And we are blessed to be homeschoolers. So our kids are already prepared to be at home. They do their schoolwork at home, they handle their chores, and then they get to go outside and play. And they were totally okay with this. The biggest way we've been affected has been not being able to see people. My wife used to be able to go out and see her friends when she needed to you know, scratch that social itch. My kids used to love being able to go over to their friends' houses and play. And we haven't been able to do that as much. And that's been really rough on them. But we're blessed because we're already accustomed to it. Um, in our neighborhood throughout the corona, at the very beginning, the ladies started to get together because they were missing that social interaction. So all the moms, all the wives, 
would meet on somebody's lawn and they would sit, they would chat. Uh, everybody would bring their coffee or their chair and you know, a bagel or a donut, whatever it was they were gonna have for breakfast. And they would just sit and talk and get to know each other. And it was a wonderful time. And then a wife spoke up and said, we should get our husbands together. I think they would enjoy this. And like any normal husband, I said, no, this is a terrible idea. This is gonna be awkward and hard to do. And then I felt God pressing me saying, this is what I built you for. I built you to include people. I built you to bring people in and make people feel loved and welcomed and wanted and part of something. So I got together with Andrew Roberts, who lives down the street from me, and we started collecting phone numbers. I already had quite a few uh, from guys that I had met and interacted with in our neighborhood. And so I built a group text message and started inviting guys over to my house for just a, a time to sit and chat on the lawn. I said, bring, you know, bring your chair, bring a cold beverage, you know, bring a snack if you want to. We're just gonna sit on the yard and enjoy this wonderful weather that we've had these past couple of months. You know, 70 degree nights, 75, 80 degree days. Like it's been absolutely perfect weather to be outside and to be at home in it, honestly. So we've done that every Saturday since this Corona started. And we've been hanging out, building relationship, getting to know people. And it's varied. We've had some nights with me and one other guy. We've had some nights where it was seven or eight, even you know, 12 to 14 of us one time. And it's been amazing to build these connections with my neighbors because now some of them look forward to it. And that's been fantastic. And it's something I really enjoy, honestly. I thought it would be awkward, but like I said, God has built me to include people, to bring people in, um, to make people feel like they're part of something. And that's the gift that he's given me. But it took some introspection on my part. What do I enjoy doing? And how can I use that during this time? And I think that's something that everybody can do. Whether you're you know, a computer programmer, or you're a welder like I am, or you're a yard person, or you work at a preschool, or you're a teacher or a firefighter, you all have some special gifting that you can use that says, this is what I enjoy doing, and this is how I can impact people for Christ. So look around, you know, what can you do that you enjoy that's going to reach people? Um, we're with our neighbors all the time, whether there's a virus going on or not, we're with our neighbors. They're, we're going to see them in an apartment complex or neighborhood, it doesn't matter. We're going to see them. How can you reach that person? Do you bake for fun? Well, maybe find out, you know, which of your neighbors like cookies, which of your neighbors are gluten-free and bake some people some cookies and bake some other people some gluten-free cookies. Um, you know, find out who likes to just, who likes to listen to music. And if you're a musician, play some music, you know, find out what they like. Do they like some rock? Do they like some, some country music? Do they like some rap music? Find it out and maybe play some for them. Um, you know, if you're into art, draw and paint and build some colorful things for people to enjoy. If you're into video games, find some people to play with online that you can impact. Everybody's got a gift. Everybody's special and everybody can be used for Christ during this time. Take care.